Hello, good evening. I praise God for this time how God has given me to privilege uh, to stand before you to share about my testimony and thank you pastor and all the church member and also I would like to thank the health ministries so after much much prayer so I need someone to carry this ministry but God answered me through the one where the through health ministry and now God brought me up to this level. I really thank you for the health ministry. And dear, all the workers are very faithful and burdened for the Lord's soul. This is what I like, the health ministry. Well, uh, my name is uh, Mukumu De Burma. Uh, I am from India. I am married. I have two kids. And uh, I was born and brought up in a Hindu family. I was taught custom, ritual, superstitions, and I sacrifice many animals, and I worship uh, in order to my better life, or as well as in hope of my eternal life. For example, if someone got sick, we would have to go to the Hindu priest. And we believe that he was the only way for us to be cured from the sickness. As well as the priests could be demand us for animal sacrifice. And we believe that this animal could sacrifice could oppose us, the evil spirit, as well as from the sickness. Uh, this is how uh, some false and belief I raised up, I was raised up my life until I heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was in 16 years old, God saved my life by his grace. And the gospel says, Christ died for my sin. Amen. And he was buried and he was resurrected according to the scripture. Yeah. And I realized it. And later I obeyed the commandment of God and I took the water baptism. And, and after that, in my heart, wherever I go, so I belong to God, I belong to God. I want to say someone, I want to say someone. Till now, the burden is beating in my heart. So then, uh, uh, I was, it was very hard time for me to carry in my faith because I was rejected from my family members, from my friends and my neighbors. Even there was a time I could not able to get food in my family members, but I continue to pray to the Lord. And uh, there was my mom, she was observing my life, and she could able to see something has taken place. Because where my mind was before, it's all changed, and now uh, my mind was uh, to in the sight of the God and my mams could able to see and something has taken place in my life and uh, though I was rejected in my family I share the gospel to my mams and God saved my mams life and when God saved my mams life by his grace and my daddy uh, she, he left us and he given us the return later to in our society he will be no more from our family. But we never stop the prayer because we, we came to know who is the Lord. And we pray, me and my, my mom, we are praying most of the time together for my daddy. It was something for in our society also. But God, so grace, he brought my daddies again in our home back. And God saved my daddy's life. In that way, so I have one brother, two sisters, the wife and husband, God saved their lives. And we started home church in our family and many societies and in our society were coming to the Lord and getting saved. And, and, and after that, uh, when the Hindus saw that uh, we were more number than Hindu in that place, and uh, because of by seeing that, they burn the church as well as uh, the houses, houses. And most of the uh, Christians in our church, they are putting into the jail one by one. So I was wanted for five years. So 
uh, when the, uh, the Hindus, the government police were put into the jail one by one, for me, I don't have any way to stay. I don't have any option. Because if I stay here, and one day maybe uh, I have to be in the jail. Because uh, in jail, there is a lot of uh, punishment. It is, I feel that it is better to die. So, and uh, I'm sorry to say that. So I, I don't have any option more to stay there because that was the situation came to me. And I joined to the underground in the militants. And when I joined with them, they taught me the gun about guns and uh, with grenades and how to use that and all. But the Bible is with me. Every day I read the Bible. Every day I read the Bible. And when I read the book of Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's life, because I found here the uh, Jerusalem temple was broken, and the Nehemiah, he was, he was uh, just uh, uh, taking the information how was there. And the more I read the book of Nehemiah, the more burning, so I don't want to stay anymore there. And I study the uh, life of Joshua, and the life of Joshua and the Nehemiah, and it was encouraged me a lot, and I could not able to stay anymore there. And again, I ran from there. And when I, in the morning, I was just uh, shopping in the, some like market. So again, the underground, they came and they kidnapped me. And they took me. There is a place in like jungle. And I was thinking maybe uh, their plan was to kill me because I ran from them. And I was pro uh, promised to them I'll be staying with them. So uh, because, uh, and they, and then in the place there, but in that place some people, the home was, some family members who had gathered there and they're just watching me, they cannot come because they don't have. If they come also, they cannot do. They're just seeing the windows. And they've fallen me. They was beaten me. Uh, how to say this? Unnumber, uncountable number, they beat me with the stick. And the stick has broken down. I see the pipes of them just beating on my backside. And there is one, the... Uh, you know, and the captain, he was taken the AK-47, he just called, I, I like this to kill me. And I just say, Jesus, Lord, forgive them. I was just saying them. But one, there is one there, remember, he just took them like, like that, and he picked up me, and he took me one place, and they're asking me, why you run from there? And I say, brother, though I, I was also in that community, yes, I know you love our people, but I love maybe more than you, but through this scripture. I have seen here everything. Brother, even I also love you, but I will go through this way. When I say this word to brother, they cry brokenly and they sit down. And I heard after a few days, the captain was caught by police in the jail. And when uh, then they sent me back again, and I came. And that night, I, I came the evening time. That night, I was sitting in the ground alone. I came to know there is a purpose for my life. And that must be then. I was, how came? How could be this? I was so wondered because and when I went, uh, you know, believe or not, that much I have beaten, but I did not get any own. I don't know what made, maybe this protecting the God. Even I saw the mirror, something happened, but nothing happened. And I came to know God has a purpose for my life. And I went, same church again, and I collected with moms and all the friends, and the, the church we are burned, we build up again, dear.
and and we started the worshiping to the Lord. And those who were up, uh, against us, most of them became a follower of, of, of Christ. And please pray for me. I really, really burden for these people. I really want to see, this is my, I was praying to God. I really want to see these people one day, they also may know the Christ. And like we know now, and uh, by the grace of God, after that, we have planted three churches, and uh, me and my family committed to the Lord. Until he comes, we will serve to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for praying. Amen. Amen. I want to just make sure, I know Brother Makumu's English is, is a little bit hard to understand. I want to just, I want to recap your testimony, brother, so everybody understands what has taken place. He was saved out of a Hindu family. Uh, rejected by his parents and everyone in his family at first. His mom was the first to get saved. At that, the dad left, wanting nothing to do, disowned them, uh, claimed not to be part of the family anymore, but they prayed and prayed for the dad. The dad got saved, and then the brother and sister and their folks got saved, and many people in the community got saved. Uh, then the Hindus in the area said, oh, no, we're not going to have this, and they began to persecute, and they, they burned the house church. They burned other houses of people that were going to the church. They threw many of the church members in jail, and at that, he was, you know, he was a wanted man. They were going to put him in jail or kill him, and so he left. Now, at this point in his time, he's really not figured some things out. He joined. He's not proud of this fact, but he joined a militant group, not realizing what he was getting into. And then he was kind of underground in this group for, for nearly five years and studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and come to realize, wait a minute, this is, this is not God's way of doing it. And when he realized that he was wrong, he tried to walk away and he tried to leave that militant group. But at that, when you, when you join those groups, they don't let you out. And so that's when they captured him, they beat him. What they were trying to do was beat him into submission to get him to either say, yeah, he was going to join the group. But mostly the folks on the inside that have any idea of the knowledge of the group, you either join or, or you don't live. But it was a miracle of God. That he's quoting the Bible verses of these men that could have killed him, and God spared his life. And then at that, he said, well, God's called me back to the original place where they burned the church, where he, there was a price on his head, and so he went back to that place. But when he got back there, what he found was all the people that were against him are now the best church members that he has. And he won those folks to the Lord, and, uh, and they planted two other churches since that time, and all this has happened just in the last number of years. Uh, he was trained uh, by uh, 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 Peter Tamai. He's, he's one of our men. He has a fundamental Baptist Bible college in India, and he was trained there. And uh, powerful, powerful testimony. That's kind of the gist of what he was saying. And, uh, but he had a hard time communicating that. But I wanted you to make sure you understood Amen. what it was. Okay? But I know he'd love to field any questions that you have about him. Uh, the real deal. The real deal. And I've asked about him from some of the men that I know over on the field there and uh, doing a tremendous job. Amen. And uh, so thank God for your testimony and appreciate what you do. I'll tell you what, men, will you come and sing for us? Will you guys come and sing for us tonight?
change it up a little bit tonight, and in a few moments, I'm going to ask Brother Patrick Arduro from uh, Ghana. He's going to come and share his testimony. He's going to preach a little bit for us. But before he does that, I want to go over just a few things. Uh, uh, and I want to answer this question. How does God provide for our faith promise offering? Some biblical ways that God will do this. Well, number one, according to Psalm 68, 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits even the God of our salvation. One way God blesses us with the ability to give is through our abundance. He gives us, he blesses us, we have an abundance. There are folks that don't necessarily have to sacrifice to give, uh, don't have to really use faith to give because God's blessed us and we have it. And uh, we give out of our abundance. So that's one of the ways that we can give. Now you say, well, I, preacher, I, I don't have an abundance. Well, then we can give through our sacrifice. 2 Samuel 24, 24, And the king said unto Arunah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So uh, sometimes we can give out of our abundance, and then maybe we don't have the abundance. And there could be many folks here that that's the case. Well, then we can give out of sacrifice. We, all of us, probably do something that we could cut out of our, of our routine. Uh, maybe your habit is to stop by and get a cup of coffee on the way to work. That, I, that's a habit of mine. I get a cup of coffee. costs a couple dollars to do that. Uh, but if I couldn't give the missions, I could say, you know what? I'm going to skip the coffee. I'm going to sacrifice that. And then I can take that money so that I can give to missions. So sometimes we sacrifice some things. Maybe we don't eat out as often as we would and we're going to cut... One night out, we're going to cut something out, uh, cut out some cable TV or whatever it may be, but we sacrifice something that we may be able to give. Now, Proverbs 21.20 says this, There's treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. The other way we can be able to afford to give is through good management. And I believe God gives us as Christians wisdom and discernment. Uh, but many Americans aren't applying the, the wisdom and discernment principles when it comes to a budget. And, uh, and everything that they make, uh, they spend everything that they make and it's budgeted out. Uh, there's no money left over. And I don't really believe God intends for us to live that way. To where we're just living, just everything is being spent. But God gives us wisdom to make good management decisions. And uh, if we do it God's way. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says this, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. You know, through creativity, God has gifted us and given us the ability. And uh, uh, you, you, there's, God maybe has gifted you to do something. Well, take that thing that God's gifted you to do. Maybe do a little something on the side if you can... Uh, craft a piece of wood, or you can sew a dress, or you can uh, build something, then you might say, you know what, I'm going to do this special project, 
and uh, just so I can have something to give to missions. God's gifted me in this area, and I want to be able to, uh, to, to do that for him. Uh, another way, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Sometimes we get what we call unexpected income. Uh, we weren't counting on the money to come in, and all of a sudden it shows up. Now, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can say, oh, man, what am I going to buy with that? What am I going to get for me? Because we, we might not consider, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, where did this come from? The Lord, you know what? The Lord may have brought this into my life. I've been wanting to give. I've not been able to. Or maybe I've been wanting to give more. I haven't been able to. Uh, it's unexpected income. I want to give the Lord a certain percentage of that. Now, we've got a gentleman that works with our ministry. You guys, has Brother Cham ever been here, Brother Cham McMillan? Oh, yeah. Brother Cham McMillan, you know him. All right, so he has a fund. And he started out, I think, years ago that, that he called his unexpected income, anything that he wasn't counting on coming in, he calls that his God fund. And uh, now, 100% of that money goes to missions. At first, I think it was maybe half uh, years ago, and then they, they increased it. But now, any unexpected money that comes in, and he records it. He documents when it comes in, and then he documents where it goes. And it is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that God has sent through him. Because Champ says this, God will give more through you than he will give to you. So be looking for the unexpected income. And then lastly, through faith. Uh, we, we say, you know what, I just I simply don't have it. Uh, and faith promise believes this. Well, God's told me that if I give, that he's going to give it back. And you have to have it to give. And faith believes that I'm going to give it, even though really I, I sort of need it. But I'm going to give it in faith believing that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. And he said, give, and it shall be given unto you. So faith promise is I give in faith based on God's promise to me. That if I give, that he would give it back. So these are just some ways that we can use to give to Faith Promise Missions. And I know that I want to commend you for your faithfulness. And many, many people here must give uh, because you support missionaries all around the world. And many of our missionaries you support and us personally. And, uh, and we're grateful and we're so thankful for your faithful support. Well, uh, Brother Patrick, would you come this way? Brother Patrick's going to do two things. Uh, he's going to share his testimony and uh, he's going to take about 10 minutes and do that. And he's going to preach to us for about 15 minutes tonight. So, Brother Patrick, would you come, my brother, and uh, share your testimony first? And then, would you preach to us a little bit? Amen. Good evening, everyone. Hello? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it is of the Lord's message that we are not consumed. And so I want to say thank you, God, for this opportunity to uh, share my testimony and possibly share a brief word of God with you. And Pastor, thank you very much for this opportunity to uh, Dr. Ron. God bless you for all that you are doing for us. Uh, before I begin, I must put out this information that I have an accent. So I would please implore you to pay rapt attention to every bit of information I'm putting across, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to your heart. So my name is Patrick. I am married. I have one girl. Uh, I have been in the United States for almost three years now for seminary in Illinois, Chicago. Um, I was born in a Christian home. Uh, from the Methodist and then from the Roman Catholic background. My grandmother raised me because both parents were separated. And then my grandmother, anytime she goes to church, she takes me along. But in the Methodist church, I wasn't saved because of the controversy surrounding their doctrine of salvation. And then uh, there was a time that I needed to join my mother in one of the cities in my country. And when I got there, she was already married to a Roman Catholic. And you are also aware of the controversy surrounding the doctrine of salvation with, with regards to the Roman Catholic doctrine. So I wasn't saved 
neither in those churches. But then it got to a time that I needed to go to college. And then I needed a place to stay. So I knew a friend who knew a Baptist preacher in that town. And my friend spoke with the Baptist preacher. And then the Baptist preacher allowed me to come and occupy their mission house whilst I go to college. And in the Baptist church, uh, while staying in the mission house, I was also attending the Baptist church because I didn't want to be kicked out of the mission house. <laughs> and one Sunday, the Baptist preacher was using Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 as his, for his sermon. And I quote, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9 says that, not of words, lest any man should boast. So my spiritual mantra is that I am a loner. I am saved by grace alone, by faith alone, and by Christ alone. So after church, I went to the Baptist preacher and I told him, you know, pastor, I have now understood it. I didn't (laughs) understand it then, but now everything is clear. I have trusted Christ for my salvation. Now, I need to get baptized to start my Christian journey. So I was taken through some baptismal class uh, to understand the tenets of um, baptism. And then I got baptized, and I started um, being fruitful in the house of God. Now, I went to college to be trained as a journalist. So I was reporting for the state-owned media in my country called the Ghana Broadcasting Corporation. And then the work of the journalist is such that you could be sent far away from home. Sometimes I could be in church and my editor would call me to go and give reports. It was so annoying. Excuse my language. So I told my pastor, you know, I cannot continue with this job again. So I stopped practicing journalism. And then I was praying and trusting God for a different job. And then God gave me a different job. And this time, it was one of the foundations that President Obama established in Africa. The name of the foundation was Young African Leaders Initiative. So I was employed as an assessor. So as an assessor, my primary job responsibility is to conduct interviews. And so year upon year, I could interview hundreds and hundreds of people but I couldn't ask a single soul one simple but most important question in this world. Where are you going today when you die? So it dawned on me that I'm doing a great disservice to myself and to humanity. So I quit that job. I mean, people cast all manner of insinuation towards me because it was a good job. It was a well-paying job. But I had to lay it aside to do what the Lord has called me to do. Now, um, my call into the ministry is such that when I was a little child, anytime I saw a preacher with the microphone preaching, something tells me to go to the preacher and tell the preacher, preacher, give me the microphone. I also have something to say. But growing up, I relegated that to the background, and I was just pursuing academic excellence. But I believe the Lord took me through all those processes to know that there is nothing much more important than working for God. And so uh, I came to college um, um, in um, Chicago to be trained as a missionary, so I am done with my master's degree in um, Christian missions. Um, Dr. Phil Stringer, he is the vice president of our college. He is the one who introduced me to help ministry. He has taught me a lot, so I'm going back home to plant fundamental, independent fundamental Baptist churches in my country. There are some parts of, of our country that have not heard the gospel yet. There are some villages Now, how did I get to know of these villages? In my country, there is a policy that anybody who finishes a college must serve the nation for one year. We call it national service. It's a civic responsibility. 
So I received posting to one of the villages in my country as an English language teacher. And when I got there, it was there I got to realize that we still have more to do for the Lord. People in those villages have not heard the gospel yet. And so I'm going back to that village. Uh, the Lord has burdened my heart to go back to that village to plant independent fundamental Baptist churches in those villages. So I would please implore you that anytime you go on your knees to say a prayer, please remember me and my family. And I believe that Christ will be the winner. And uh, when, when we don't meet here again, but we meet in heaven, we're all going to rejoice together. Yes, so that's a brief um, story about myself. Now, I just want to encourage us a little bit. So shall we turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 8? Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 27. And I read, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commanded even the winds and water, and they obeyed him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee, verse 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. I really like this story in the Bible. It's one of the stories that really challenges me in my Christian faith and what I need to do for the Lord. The Bible says that it came to pass. So it came to pass means that it really happened. It wasn't a parable. Yeah. That one day Jesus Christ proposed a journey. Before this, he was doing his normal crusade, healing people. But then the desire came that he proposed a journey for them to go to the other side of the lake. Now, as the story reads, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um, as the story reads, there came a storm of wind on the lake. The disciples were afraid, shouting here and there. And the Bible said that Jesus Christ was fast asleep. So they went and woke him up. And then the Bible says that he rebuked the storm. And then everything ceased. Now... There are times that challenges prove to us that we are getting it right. It's not always when challenges come our way that we think that our spiritual life or something is wrong. No, absolutely not. Sometimes challenges prove to us that we are on the right path. All right? So sometimes one funny thing about believers is that when some storms come our way, we tend to question ourselves. Why me? Lord, I give to missions faithfully. I'm a faithful giver to the church. I give to charity. Why this storm? And we tend to question God to understand. And then when we don't understand him, bitterness enters into our hearts. But you know, God doesn't want to be understood. The moment we understand him, he ceases to be God. He is a sovereign God. He does whatever he wants to do. So when storm comes our way and then we don't understand what we must do, is to wait patiently to know the reason why this storm has come our way. So, and I also want to put across that, look, if the storm came for Jesus, it should not be unusual when storm come over believers. Because the storm came for Jesus Christ. So, when the storm also comes, we should also know the reason why the storm came. 
And I believe if this, is, this becomes our attitude, no matter the storm that comes our way, we will still stand firm, yes. rooted, grounded in the word of God. And the Bible says, to cut long story short, the Bible says that Jesus Christ rebuked the wind, and then um, the storm ceased. Now, there are two sides to this story. I like something that Jesus Christ did when he woke up from the sleep. He didn't rebuke the water, but rather he rebuked the wind, according to the story we read. All right? So it tells us that any storm that comes our way, there is something behind that storm. That is making the storm boisterous. And that is what must be dealt with. You see, we, we always tend to blame or point accusing fingers at people. You see, the obvious problem is there. But then what is making that obvious problem become a problem? Yeah. What is making that obvious challenge become a challenge? There is a force. And that is what must be dealt with. Yeah. So... I like what Jesus Christ did at that time. It's, it has taught me a great lesson that whatever storm, challenge that comes my way, there is something behind it that must be dealt with. Yeah. So the Bible says that he rebuked the wind and then finally they arrived at the shore. Yeah. And when they arrived, I thought it was a prime minister that was going to miss them at the other side of the river. But it wasn't the prime minister. It wasn't the president. It wasn't any personality that met them. The Bible says that it was a madman from the country of the Kadarins. Of all these storms I went through, another problem, I don't understand. Now, the Bible says that when the madman met them, Jesus Christ prayed for him and healed him, cast all the demons out of him. And after that, Jesus Christ told his disciples, let us go back. So I tend to ask myself this question. Why did Jesus Christ propose this journey at all? Why? Just to free one man? I don't understand. But then thinking through it and meditating through it, I come to one conclusion that, you know, People's destinies are connected to us. Whenever I think life is all about me, I must look beyond me. Didn't Jesus Christ, the all-knowing God, the all-seeing God, didn't he see that they were going to face a storm on the lake? I believe he saw it. I believe he knew it. Yet still, he proposed the journey just to free one man. So if Christ can inconvenience himself to save one person, we must also inconvenience ourselves to give the word of God or to do whatever we can do to save one person, just one person. And the Bible says that when he healed this man, he asked to follow Jesus, but Jesus Christ said, no, go back to your country. The story continues. And the Bible says that this man that nobody had regard for This man that when people saw they were running away, now he was the one who freed or who uh, he went to the back to the uh to to that country and then published, introduced Christ to that uh, whole country. So that man was equal to 10 cities, that man was equal to a whole nation. Just preach the word. Give the word to one person, and that one person can save a whole family. That one person can be equal to a whole nation. So, let this be our attitude, and let's put this into practice, and give the word just to a single person. Now, you may be going through the storm, but the storm is not all about you. It's because there is a madman somewhere waiting to hear the word of God. Left with the disciples alone, I believe they would have returned. You see, the storm just came as a destructive element to have prevented them from going to the other side. But thanks be to God that they had their Jesus with them. So anytime you are going through a storm, ask yourself, do I have my Jesus with me? If you have your Jesus with you, relax. You know, rest is proof of faith. And if you have faith... 
and you can relax through the storm, I believe you will be the most happiest person in this world. So let's go over to the other side, other side of our prayer life, other side of our ministry, other side in everything we are doing for the kingdom advancement, just for one person to hear the word of God. And that person is equal to a whole nation. Thank you for this brief challenge, and I believe it has been a blessing um, to your hearts. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you very much, Pastor. Amen. That was good. That was good. And I'm just going to make a few. Just want to look at one verse tonight in the remaining time that we had. Did, uh, I really like the part, did you guys catch the part that the Lord re- rebuked the wind? That was good. See, the disciples saw the waves thinking that the water was the problem, but really the water wouldn't have been the problem at all if it weren't for the, the wind. Wasn't that good? So many times in life, we, somebody acts out and we tend to think that that person's the problem, but there's something behind that that's moving. That's the real problem. That's the real enemy. And help us to see what the real enemy is. That was good. That was good. And let us go to the other side. Great, great, great thoughts. Uh, Look with me in Hebrews chapter number 6. In one verse, verse number 10. Hebrews 6. And verse number 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Hebrews 6 and 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you now for this evening. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies that we've heard. Just tremendous and powerful, life-changing effect of the gospel. We've heard it tonight. We've seen it. Uh, these men, and they've shared their testimonies. But we're so grateful. Now, Lord, in the few remaining moments that we have tonight, would you once again speak to our hearts and encourage us through your word. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see in this verse that the Bible says that God is not unrighteous. So if he's not unrighteous, then we know this, then he is righteous. He always does the right thing. He never does the wrong thing. He never wants to do the wrong thing. You know, when Christ was tempted here on the earth, when he was tempted to uh, make the stones bread, I mean, he could have said, well, you know what, I'd really like to do it, but God ain't going to let me. He had no desire to turn the stones into bread. He had no desire to do the wrong thing because he's righteous God and he doesn't even sin, it doesn't even affect him. He can't even be tempted with sin like we are because he's righteous. He always does the right thing. Now, we sometimes do the right thing. We sometimes don't do the right thing, and we sometimes, I sometimes do the right thing, but truth be told, I'd, I'd rather done the wrong thing. But I don't do the wrong thing, not because I don't want to do it, but I don't do the wrong thing because I'm not supposed to do it. Let me be driving down the road and somebody cut me off in traffic or do something that, uh, and uh, you know what I want to do? Same thing you want to do. I want to give them a piece of my mind. I want, to, I want to lash back out. Now, that's, if, if, if God would let me, that's what I would do. It's not that I'm really a good guy. It's just that I know I ain't supposed to do it. So usually, especially when my wife's with me, I don't do it. Are you with me? That's how we handle ourselves. But now God is not that way. He hates sin. He always does right. He always does it perfectly. So God, number one, he's righteous. 
Now we see also in this verse, for God is not unrighteous to forget. Not only is he righteous, but God remembers. He never forgets. Unless he chooses to. Now my wife may say that I have that ability too. To choose to forget some things. Have you ever forgot something? I mean, you forgot something really important. Something big. Something you thought, there's no way I'll ever forget this. But you forgot. Now the Lord has never forgotten anything. He's not unrighteous to forget. What does that mean? That means He remembers. He remembers. I don't think I've shared this story here. Maybe I have. If I have, you know, you can remember the text and what you've preached, but you can't remember the stories that you've told. But these are my stories, and I I don't make these up. These are just things that happened to me. So if I've shared this, I I apologize. Years ago, I, I, I was a youth leader for a church back in West Virginia. Just coming into the ministry, had just been saved, saved in the military, as I shared the other morning. Come back to the home church that I grew up in, and I was a youth pastor there. Been saved for about a year and a half, something like that. And uh, really, truth be told, didn't have any business being a youth pastor. Didn't know what I was doing. Really wasn't all that well-grounded in anything. Uh, But I had some teenagers that I was working with. And there was a couple boys in our youth group, and they come from a terrible home situation. Terrible home situation. Now, this would have been back in uh, 97, 98, 99 time frame. And there was two boys, two brothers, and they were in a terrible situation. And oftentimes I would go down there and I would just get the boys and bring them up, play some basketball with them, do some things with them, just to get them out of the house. Now, I wish I could tell you we were, we were doing deep spiritual Bible studies, but no, you know what we did? We just went to church to play basketball. Just, just spent time with them. Now, I want to fast forward. It's after COVID. I think it's 2021. I kind of lost touch with the boys. I, 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 I didn't know if anything would happen to them, how they were going to turn out. I didn't know how they were going to turn out because it was a terrible situation. But I walked in to a coffee shop in Lewisburg, and I had, I had my mask on, and, uh, and I ordered the coffee, and I went and I put a little uh, cream in it. I took the mask off just to taste the cream. I was dressed like this because I was headed to Virginia to preach. It was on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and, another, and, and, and somebody else walked up to me in a mask. And, uh, and, uh, and he began to talk to me. And he said, now, you, you don't know me. You don't know who I am, do you? And, uh, and, and, he, and he pulled his mask down, and it was one of those brothers. It was one of those boys. I said, man, what are, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm coming here to check on my mom. He said, I don't know if you know. He said, my dad died. His dad uh, drunk himself to death, and he died a number of years later. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm living down in South Carolina. I'm like a computer software engineer. And uh, I said, I just came home, just came home to check on mom, spent some time with her. And just, uh, and, and so he was telling me about what he was doing. Now, we hadn't seen each other for, it's over 20 years now. Mm. But then he said this. He said, now, you probably, wouldn't, you probably already know this. He said, you probably already know this. He said, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He said, there's not a day that goes by that I don't thank God for your influence in my life. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known. I would have had no idea. I didn't really do anything. But somebody remembered. God always remembers. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. God is righteous. God remembers. I believe this. God rewards going to bless you. He's going to bless you. You know, sometimes he doesn't always pay you back right now. Sometimes it's later. Sometimes it's much later. Sometimes we never see it. We haven't seen it. But one day, it's going to happen. You remember in, uh, in the story in the book of Esther, Mordecai? Remember early in the book, he does this deed. He uncovers a plan and a plot, and uh, it's determined, and, and it saved the king's life. There was a plan to kill the king, and, uh, and they, just, they just wrote it down in the book. 
But nothing happened. But then later, later on in the book, later on, time passes by and, uh, and Haman begins to devise his wicked plan and the king can't sleep one night and he's reading the record book and he comes across, oh, there's this guy named Mordecai and, uh, and did we ever do anything for him, he said. Hmm. Now think about it, had Mordecai been rewarded all those years ago, it wouldn't have worked out. But God is righteous God remembers, God rewards. I could tell you story after story after story. Personal. Of what God has done for me. What God has done for our family. Sometimes the rewards are immediate. Sometimes they're six months down the road. Sometimes they're years down the road. Can I have just a couple more minutes? I'm going to steal some of his rollover minutes. I'm going to take all of his rollover minutes. And we'll make them back up on Thursday night. Okay. Years ago, when I was pastoring, I had someone give me a sum of money, $5,000, and uh, do what you want to do with it. We didn't need the $5,000. We, we had everything we needed. Remember I talked about unexpected, yeah. unexpected money. Yeah. So I saw it as an opportunity not to get something that maybe we wanted that we didn't have. Let's use it for God. Mm-hmm. Let's use it for God. And so I found an immediate $2,500 project. We met that need. I've got now $2,500 just waiting to see what Lord's going to present. At the time, I was still working part-time for another company. I had to fly to New Orleans for a med trade. I flew to New Orleans, and then Health Ministries was having a conference in Haines City, Florida, and I was going to fly to New Orleans to Haines City, Florida, and I had to go, I, for whatever reason, I had to go through Atlanta. I wanted to go straight from New Orleans to, to Orlando, but I couldn't get that flight. Okay, I'll fly up through Atlanta, and I'll turn around and go back. I flew up to Atlanta. I'm in my gate. I'm getting ready to get on the plane, maybe in about an hour, and I hear somebody walking by talking on the telephone, and it was Umberto Gomez. And he'd been, in, he'd been in the church one time. I'd met him. I said, he's not even going to know me. He's not even going to know who I am. And I said, man, you're going to think I'm crazy, man, but I, I heard your voice and I, I remembered you. I mean, he's an unforgettable guy. And, uh, and he remembered me. And I said, well, tell me about what's going on. He said, yeah, I'm flying to this meeting up in Michigan. He was going to Michigan. I was going to Orlando. And, uh, and he said, uh, uh, all right, we're getting ready. I said, what are, you, what are you doing in the ministry? He said, I'm going back to Mexico. I'm going to build a church. And he said, well, it's just up in the mountains, just a simple little church. And uh, I said, well, what would it take to build that church? He said, we can build the whole thing for $2,500. I said, we've got it, man. It church is, is built. Amen. Amen. Now, that would have been mm-hmm. 2000 and probably 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Now, let's fast forward to 2007. We were living in Florida. We had moved down there with Help Ministries. It was determined that they were going to relocate Help Ministries to North Carolina. I was the guy to bring it up to North Carolina. There was only one tiny little problem. They couldn't pay me. Oh, that's great. We're going to go take the ministry up there, and, but there's just no money. But other than that, you know, other than that, it was a really great opportunity. <laughs> But I'll, I tell people this all the time, and it's not cliche, and we've tried to live this. I only need to know one thing. There's only one question you have to answer. Does God want you to do it? If you can answer that question, yes, you don't need to ask any more questions. That's enough. So my wife and I, we said yes. We didn't know how. We hadn't left Florida yet. We just decided, we committed that we were going to move to North Carolina on faith. But before we left Florida, I met a preacher just randomly. Never went to his church. Still haven't been to his church. They were getting ready to close down the church. He said, we got eight people. He said, we'd bring you up to the church, but we've got eight. He said, well, we're going to help you. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear a guy that's fixing to close the church down, they say they got eight people and they're going to help you. I mean, I'm sorry. 
I'm a man of faith, okay? But I wasn't expecting very much. And the pastor of the church, that preacher brought the check into the church maybe a week or so later. I was headed back to, I was headed to Haines City, Florida to preach in the college over there. It was like a Thursday morning chapel. And the pastor called me. Said, so-and-so, this preacher, you met him, brought a check in for you. I said, yeah, he told me he was going to do something. All eight of them. And he said, uh, don't you want to know how much it's for? I was like, oh, well, yeah, you know. I mean, I'm thinking, how much was it? You know, you want to know, man. But I'm like, oh, if you must tell me, you know. Yeah, sure. How, how much was it? How about 20000 You know what God brought to my mind immediately, Brother Daniel? My mind flashed back, and I was thinking, thank God I gave the five. And the Lord said, I just multiplied it for you. He said, I want you to know this. I've got it. I've got it. And here we are in 2022, all these years later, and preacher, I've never one time asked anybody for anything. You know why? Because God is righteous. And God remembers. And God rewards. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Pastor, would you come, please? How many of y'all believe the Lord remembers? Does, doesn't he? Aren't you thankful he rewards us? And uh, like you said, sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes it's not. Do you men mind if we have all of y'all come up around this altar and just let us all pray for you? Would y'all be all right with that? I'd like for these men, if they would, I'm going to ask the church, if you're here tonight, I'm going to ask if you would, just come. Let's just gather around these men, and let's just pray and ask God to use them and to bless them. And you know, uh, we have Kenya, Guyana, India, and Ghana. And uh, they like to see God reward their efforts, their work, their labor, their sacrifice. And no matter where they are, we know that God always remembers them and God rewards them. And as you're praying for them, pray that God would honor and reward Tiftonia Baptist Church. And let's do our very best to ask God to help us what we would give in the matter of missions. And also give of ourselves. And I'm going to ask Brother Palmer. Brother Palmer, are you able to come? You sure? Would you be willing to come up and just... Just pray with us tonight. Pray for these men. Shall we come before the Lord? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that you watch over us, provide so graciously for us. And Father, to be a part of the ministry of these men, the calling that you've given to them, Father, to take forth the precious Almighty Word of God into many countries, Lord, especially their countries. We would pray, Father, that you would minister to each of them. For each one has trials and each one has temptations before them, Father. They need your strength. So I pray, Father, that you would strengthen each one. Show forth your mercy and your grace unto each one, Father. For the special needs, for the wonderings, for the questionings that maybe they think about this before them, but Father, to realize that you're right there with them. Yes. You have your arms about each one, Father, to strengthen, to minister to, to provide graciously, wondrously, miraculously. Yes. Father, we are so thankful that we have the opportunity to meet these fellow servants of yours, your precious children. 
and pray, Father, that you will do a mighty work through each one. And, Father, that you might have the people here tonight, the church, Father, that you would just open each of our hearts to realize that there are souls, there are precious souls throughout this nation, throughout the world, many that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. That, Father, you would use these men, you would equip them, Lord, you would direct them, you would give them the opportunities, Father, that are needed to share your precious word, the life-giving word of salvation through the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, please, accomplish your great will. In each of us, Lord Jesus, you have bountifully provided for us. Father, you've given us, uh, met our needs in so many ways and abundantly. So please, Father, open our hearts. Touch our hearts with souls, precious souls, just like each of us, our family members, our friends, our acquaintances. Father, that need to know you as Savior. Father, please speak to each and every one of us this evening. And Father, fit each of these men for the task that's before them. Help them to look at it as opportunities from their Heavenly Father. We ask, Lord, you to bless, you to have your way and wonderful will. For we thank you and praise you and through the precious shed blood of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Y'all glad you've been here tonight. Amen. And uh, brother, he just closed us out in prayer. God bless you. Have a great evening. Be careful going home. God bless all of you.